Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening. Welcome to the latest episode of Governing Chatters, NGA's podcast. Uh, my name's Sam Tranter, and I'm a Senior Advice Officer at NGA. I'm also responsible for the Young Governors Network. Um, I'm joined today by two members of the Young Governors Network, and we're going to be having a discussion about the, the recruitment and retention of young governors and their experiences. Uh, the whole point of having this conversation is that uh, last year, NJ published a research report called Increasing Participation in School and Trust Governance, um, which is essentially a state of the nation report on recruiting and retaining volunteers, particularly those from underrepresented groups. Um, Today, we're going to be speaking about young governors, uh, defined by NGA as those under the age of 40, as one of those underrepresented groups in school governance. Um, so I will, I will briefly introduce our guests today, uh, Andrew and Matthew. As I said, both are members of the Young Governors Network. Um, both are obviously governors. Andrew governs in two schools, uh, one maintained special school, and she's also a parent governor on an LGB within a MAT. Um, Matthew is vice chair in a maintained secondary school, um, although that school is uh, about to academize and join a MAT. Uh, the same can be said for one of Andrew's school as well. So, so I mentioned that young governors were um, one focus group for the for the research report on increasing participation. Um, we've got some we've got some figures to to prove that point. Um, in terms of wider context, we know from uh, the, the census data from 2011 that um, 29% of the population in this country is aged between 18 and 39. Uh, obviously, that data is 10 years old now, but we don't, we don't have the, uh, the new data from the 2021 census available to us yet. So that's, that's what we've got to work with to begin with. We know 29% of the population in England and Wales is aged between 18 and 39. Um, but we also know that from our own research that 9% of volunteers in school governance are aged under 40 and only 1% are aged under 30. Um, we also happen to know that volunteers from ethnic minorities tend to be younger and that newer governors and trustees are more likely to be both young and from an ethnic minority background. So keeping those facts and figures in mind, we're going to chat now with Matt and Andrew about their experiences, about the boards they govern on, to try and just unpick some of the, the findings in the research report, but just speak more generally about you know, what, that, what that looks like in practice and what we can, what we can learn about um, the recruitment and retention of young governors from you know, what's, what's happening on the ground. So I'm going to begin by coming to each of you in turn. Uh, I'll ask you the cheeky question of how old you are. And I'll also ask you, are there any other young governors on your board or is it just you? Um, Andrew, can we hear from you on that first, please? Uh, thanks, Sam. Uh, thanks for having me on this uh, really important podcast. Um, I think it's a really important question. Uh, not necessarily how old I am, but um, do we have enough young governors on the board. So being 37 years old, um, I believe of the two governing boards that I sit on, 
that I am the only, um, as you define, young governor. Um, just on that, I think there's a point to be said about actually, do we know who we're working with? Do we know um, kind of the, I suppose, the, the bio data of our governors that we, we work with? And in, you know, in the context of what we're trying to deliver, we're trying to make sure that um, we're doing all that we can to ensure that children, the pupils at our schools that we govern, receive the best possible outcomes. Uh, and are we representative? Um, surely there's a, a possibility here of unpicking, well, actually, who and uh, to what extent are we representative of the, the community and the school that we serve? Brilliant. What about you, Matthew? Yeah, hi, Sam. Uh, again, thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Uh, it is a, an important discussion, I think, uh, and an important report to be reflecting on. Um, on my board, I again, I think uh, I'm safe to say I am the only uh, young governor. I think uh, it's fair to say that the profile of our governing board has got a lot younger uh, since I joined. Uh, so I've been a governor for 10 or 12 years, I think. Um, there was certainly a, a marked shift uh, when we reconstituted. And I think what keeps us fresh, I suppose, is uh, our parent governors who are, make up a, a relatively large proportion uh, of our governing body. And naturally, they, they move on after a relatively limited period of time, which gives us a regular opportunity to, to bring in uh, fresh faces, new blood into, onto the board. Um, I wouldn't say we've ever particularly given uh, a real emphasis or focus on recruiting young governors specifically. Um, it's just something that's happened naturally. Um, and yeah, without wanting to be too uh, cheeky or disrespectful to my colleagues, uh, whilst the profile has got younger, I'm not sure that we would yet describe it as a young board. Um, but I suppose everything in context, you know, compared to national averages or uh you know the makeup of boards nationally we probably are on the younger side now uh which i think is really positive so we've got a good balance of very experienced governors uh and then less experienced governors but highly skilled people who have uh, certainly brought a lot uh in terms of professional skill and uh, energy enthusiasm fresh pair of eyes all those great things that uh, i think new blood but particularly young faces do uh, offer to boards. It's interesting that you made that point about not necessarily placing the, uh, an emphasis on age in your, in your board's uh, recruitment tactics. That's fair enough. Do you think more effort could be made to, to, to place more emphasis on those characteristics and actively seek younger governors? Is that, is that something you can see your boards doing? Or do you think it will only ever be a, a natural organic process by where you, uh, whereby you simply, you, you have whoever is a willing volunteer at the time, regardless of age? No, we've never, never had an explicit conversation about it. Um, and I think one of the challenges that we have, we, we've been very successful recruiting parent governors over the years. We've never really struggled with, with long-standing vacancies. There's always been people willing to get involved. Um, I suppose the, the issue we have is in other categories of governors, there can often be a tendency to 
manipulate things slightly. Um, parent governors who have been particularly engaged and uh, you know made a good contribution have regularly moved into other categories once their kind of parental term has finished, and that blocks off an opportunity. Uh, you know, that's a chance where we could be actively going out and recruiting and putting some focus around uh, diversity in the broader sense, but particularly around younger governors. I think that's something we, that we should be looking at for a number of reasons. Um, Andrew, can I come back to you on the question of, because obviously you, you, have the, you have the privilege of governing in two, different, in, in two schools in two different settings. Have you experienced uh, at either of those schools uh, any, any efforts, conscious efforts to, to recruit young governors? With the two governing boards that I sit on, uh, if I can take, first of all, the special school, I believe I was the last person to be recruited onto the board. Um, and that was nearly four years ago. I think there's an opportunity here to look at the, the, the new pupil intakes that we've had over the last number of years. Um, an opportunity for parents who wish to become governors to, you know, go use their lived experience um, come on the governing board. And I think, like, like Matt said, we're not looking for a whole wealth of experience. Um, even skill set, I would say, there's, there's an opportunity with like, young governors to build that skill set with the, um, the, the, the existing governors on board. But really, we want that parent governor, or we want that governor who's got some sort of lived experience, that motivating factor to say, actually, I want the best for my child and and their cohorts and future cohorts in that school to ensure then that their voice is kind of almost being heard through the parents' lived experience. I, I think that's a really interesting point and it's an interesting reflection that we've kind of skipped straight to parent governors as a focus of where we get young governors from. And I suppose, you know, playing devil's advocate a little bit, that's an easy win and almost a... a you could say it's a bit of a cop-out from governing boards because by the very nature, of course, parent governors are generally going to be on the younger side. So if you're going to recruit parent governors, it is an easy win and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But we do need to look at the wider governing board, uh, as you were just saying there, Andrew, and you know, other categories should have the same focus. You know, is it is it enough that we just accept, well... We naturally get a few young people because we get parents on, but actually, you know, young non-parents can be, and I'm sure are in many cases, just as valuable to boards and offer just as much and something different. You know, I suppose if we're looking to, to support a school on an improvement journey, then people who are not directly engaged with it have a unique perspective, uh, which can be just as valuable, if not even more so on occasions. Yeah, you make a really good point about the um, about perhaps the lack of the lack of thinking around how to diversify the board beyond the likely candidates. That raises another important point that's worth talking about, and something that you touched on, Andrew, and that's the question of if we're going to speak about how to recruit and retain more young governors and trustees without them necessarily being elected parent governors or trustees. Perhaps there's a conversation to be had there around uh, perceived barriers to doing so when it comes to breaking down uh, myths or misconceptions on the part of those who might be uh, willing young governors or trustees, 
but perhaps aren't ready to take the plunge for, for whatever reason. And Angie, you spoke you spoke about the the need to not necessarily dwell on what skills or experiences are required. But at the end of the day, what we need is a, a fully constituted board that is diverse and, and, and capable and, and contains people willing to to learn and, and give it a good go. So what would you say to those who think that they don't possess the necessary skills or experience to consider governing at a relatively young age? You know, you cast, I cast my mind back as to, to my motivations to becoming a governor. In my circle, I think my brother was a school governor many years ago, kind of maybe when he's in his early 20s, um, but kind of going into my you know, 20s, 30s and, and to where I am now, really, I don't know many governors that um, were shouting about, hey, I'm a school governor. And, and I think if we're not talking about it as young governors, and even just governors you know, in general, if you sit on a local governing board, how many conversations are you having within your networks and not necessarily networks that you talk about, talk to all the time. I'm talking about networks that by an off chance, you have an opportunity to influence. Yeah, I agree with you entirely there. And I think the other, another thing to consider is that there can often be, I think, a misconception, um, particularly maybe amongst younger people um, who have not had as much experience of the kind of uh, the, the broader kind of leadership structures of, of how institutions operate that by skills we, we we actually mean knowledge and experience and that's not what we're after um you know i think it'd be easy for people to kind of uh, younger people to to think well you know i don't really know how schools work i don't know anything about education policy or uh you know uh anything along those lines even finance hr premises all those kind of uh subjects and I don't think that's what we need. You know, when we talk about a focus on skills, it is a, it is skills that we're looking for, and not that experience, because you know that comes later. Um, but there's no reason why young people can't have the same kind of inquisitive nature, the the ability to ask questions, to be analytical, to uh, you know uh, triangulate data that we're, we're we're given to to support school leaders. Uh, you know, which is a, as much a well-being type of support as it is uh, kind of more strategic support in, in, you know, the direction of travel that the school's going on. So there's a whole array of things which young people are perfectly well-equipped to contribute to, but probably don't appreciate their own skills in that sense. Um so I think there's an education piece that needs to happen beforehand. I mean, first of all, young people need to know that governance is a thing. It exists and, you know, we need we need people to, to get involved with it. Um, but once they do know that, they also need to appreciate what it actually means and, and, and how, uh, how they can contribute in a really meaningful way. This is about highlighting the fact that um, soft skills and behaviours are just as important, if not more important, than this perceived need for an expert understanding of policy and practice in the education setting. Absolutely. Yes, those. Th- yes, you'll probably develop that that understanding as you get to grips with the application of certain policies, you know, legal obligations, 
various compliance issues that will all come into it. But in terms of hitting the ground running and giving this a go for the first time, this is about having the people skills to have the right conversations at the right time. And that's not even knowing what to say, but rather how to say it, how to offer challenge, how to offer support. And you'll probably grow in in confidence from there, won't you? I I know I did. It doesn't mean that you've got to be fully formed in that regard either. You know, there's there's one of the big selling points of getting involved in governance, I think, is the opportunity to develop yourself whilst you're contributing to something else. Uh, and again, that it, it, with those softer skills, as well as you're obviously going to pick up things about how schools operate and education, etc. I think you're right there as well, Matt. But then there's training, isn't there? There's lots and lots of training. And I know when I first started, again, it was just there was there was a post advertised on the local authority website for a, um, a school governor with um, some experience of health and safety. And I thought, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a local school um, opportunity to, to be part of uh, a governing board um, and, and governance, but then also using some of my own skill sets and didn't have much of a clue about the education sector, only from my own lived experience with my children in primary school. But nevertheless, there was a whole host of training that was available and there was opportunities to increase my knowledge through other people's lived experience so there's an opportunity to talk to the children talk to staff talk to uh, existing governors who had been on the board for some time um, and almost then kind of upskill myself to a level where I did feel more confident about asking questions and charging the data Um, so I think let's not um Let's not forget there's a whole host of training and upskilling that is there for all governors to, to take on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I personally took advantage of loads of different training offers that I sourced through the, through the local authority and found them immensely helpful. Each little session was basically a crash course in a new subject that was relatively new to me, whether that was um, head teacher performance management, you know, or other statutory procedures like that. It's immensely useful and I uh, immediately felt more confident after after attending those sessions I don't know if I don't know if you guys have made the most of offers like that yeah I, I actually came in the other route so I my first governance role was as a staff governor um, so I probably came in feeling like I knew more about you know the educational side of it the the, the context of our particular school and uh, you know where we were heading, and I knew less about or had less experience of of those softer skills. You know, being able to provide uh, you know robust challenge and support, which is I think a particular uh, <laughs> is a, being a staff governor has a particular unique <laughs> perspective on that. Um, so yeah, came in from the opposite end, and it did me a power of good. Uh, you know, my professional life. Uh, developed rapidly because I could often reference back the skills that I was picking up from my work as a governor. Uh, so I think you can you can come at it both ways almost. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've we've tackled the question of what you'd say to those prospective young governors and trustees who who think they don't necessarily possess the required level of skill or experience um 
I would hazard a guess that another major issue in the in the recruitment of of young people to to school governance is their perception of how time consuming it can be. Um, now, obviously, Andrew, you, <laughs> this is a brilliant question to pose to you because you govern on two boards. So, what would you say? to prospective governors who have concerns about how time-consuming this can be and how do you personally save time and operate efficiently so that your governance duties remain manageable? There are definitely time pressures with being a governor, um, not, not necessarily on one board, but two boards. But I feel I feel ready to, if you see what I mean, because I feel like I was, I've got to a point where I know enough to then contribute to the school that my children are at. And it was just purely coincidental. There was an opportunity and I, I went for it because I thought actually I could use the experience that I've had um, for the last three years in my children's school. So you have to be realistic in your time that you feel you can give to the governor role. I believe though, you only really know when you've thrown yourself into it You've undertaken some training. Hopefully you've had a good induction. You've had um, discussions with other governors about how they manage their time commitment to the governing role, as well as running a family or working as well. But I feel it comes down to your core values again. If then actually, I I feel you, you make time, but there's an opportunity to make a real difference. And that's what kind of drives me to, um, to kind of keep, keep on um, governing and um, keep shouting about it to prospective younger generations. Matthew, what about you? Because uh, you, we know you said that in the first instance, you were a staff governor. So your first experience of governing came alongside a job that we know is associated with a, a huge workload. So what would you say about the, the, time spent on the role and and how you've managed that effectively? I think, firstly, it's important for boards to acknowledge and and perhaps promote that we don't want to burden people with a huge workload uh, around governance. What we want is effective governance. Uh, And I think there's probably, uh, on most boards, opportunities to kind of refine our working methods uh, to make sure that we are effective without being uh, just long-winded, um, if I can put it that way. Um, but time management is a skill like any other, and some people will come into the role or you know be looking at the role with you know great expertise in that area. They'll be very confident about managing time, allotting time for the role. Others, it's something that you you know it's another opportunity to develop. But I think if you can at least have an honest conversation up front with the, you know, the chair, the, the head, the mem- other members of the board, say, look, I'm really interested in this role, um, but I do have certain limits on, on the amount of time that I can give to it. Um, I don't think any board would turn somebody away for having that conversation. Um, and you know, from past experience, I think you'd much rather have that discussion and go into everybody go into a uh, a recruitment process with their eyes wide open, rather than sort of go in there assuming you'll be able to cope, but not. Yes, there is. It, it does require a certain amount of time. I think you can make that time effective. You know, certainly the move towards uh, online meetings, in particular, I think has been a 
a real benefit of the pandemic. Uh, and for most boards, I think we'll be there to stay long term. For me, I work away from home most of the week. Uh, so being able to dial into to meetings is a massive bonus. Um, you know, I'm I'm quite often uh, a few hundred miles away from where everybody else is, but it makes no difference these days. You know, I'm I'm in the room the same as everyone else. So I think there's there's a lot that we can do as boards. Um, and, and yes, we want people who are committed, but we don't necessarily want to be uh, piling on masses of work just for the sake of it. You know, that it's uh, it's something that can be managed between everybody involved. So in a nutshell, we're saying that to those who think the role is so time consuming that they can't possibly give it a go, we're saying that's not necessarily the case because you can have these conversations with your board about what you're capable of delivering in the context of what best practice looks like in terms of shared responsibilities. Yeah, and I think, uh, just sorry to butt in again, just one other um thing which is most employers these days I, I think are supportive of, of people who take on governance roles and will allow time you know in working hours to, uh, to commit to that role so another conversation to be had is with your employer to say look I'm, th- I'm thinking of this uh, you know would the would the company would would you be happy with for me to to do this and potentially take a little bit of time every now and again just to to contribute and most employers I think recognize that they're going to get some major uh, uh, benefits back from that. It's worthwhile them investing that little bit of time for their employees uh, for the return that they get. Absolutely, yeah. You, you, you've uh, you've stole something I was about to say, and I think you mentioned it earlier, actually, which was governing is a real opportunity to not just give something back to the school and to the community, but to actually develop your own skills in the process of becoming a better governor. Um, so, I mean, that's absolutely something that can be basically sold to employers as an incentive for the time it takes. It's that these these young governors and trustees are in a, a, a unique position to be able to hone their leadership skills in a way that they may not other get that may not otherwise get the opportunity to. So, we can we can take this perception of it's too much time and therefore potentially too stressful, flip it on its head, and say this is a very worthwhile investment in, in a number of things in, in the school and the children's futures, but also in myself as a young person, a young professional who has an added opportunity to gain extra skills in a setting that you, you know, you may not otherwise be, be exposed to. And I think you're right in highlighting that employers will not only be sympathetic to, to that and your, your desire to, to volunteer, but also may actively encourage you is that something you've experienced Angie it's um yeah and I know a lot of organizations are looking at volunteering policies they're actively encouraging from a well-being perspective but also retention perspective look we want you to go and volunteer you know take two days in a given year um go and um go and find if you if you're already volunteering for an organization great use that if you want to um volunteer in something different then here's a whole host of organizations that we can work with but ultimately this is for the benefit of your well-being your own self-development um and also retention if your organization supports you for doing that because actually the company is going to get back 
the, your development. It's just how do you manage your time to ensure you're balancing all the priorities we have in our lives, but then also maximise what governance has to offer. I think we've, it's fair to say we've highlighted a bit of disconnect between schools and the, the communities they serve in terms of complete and accurate representation of the, the makeup of those communities. And, and obviously, we know that's the case at national level as well. We spoke about the, the census data at the beginning. It's fair to say you've kind of booked that trend. You've, you've successfully become what NJ defines as young governors. So when you joined your boards, how, how included were you made to feel? I think we've, we've spoken uh, in YGN meetings before and, and elsewhere about this, the feeling of being an imposter because you don't necessarily belong, because you don't match the image of a typical governor because of lack of representation. So when you, once you were up and running in the role, did you feel included? Did you feel valued as equals? I, I would say, yes, I did. Um, but I might just put a little caveat that I, it sometimes felt like I forced my way in. <laughs> um, How do you mean? Was age a factor in that feeling? Uh, I don't think it was. I think um, I think our board is generally pretty good at welcoming new people in, and we've had a succession of chairs um, over you know the ten, twelve years where, where I've been involved who have gone out of their way, particularly in meetings, you know, to invite comment or questions from new members in particular. You know, just generally make sure they they are included in discussions. That you know, there's there's a they're invited to contribute rather than waiting for them to sort of pluck up the courage almost to to uh, to make a comment or ask a question. Um, but I think, it, as with anything, the more you kind of push yourself forward, the, the more you are, uh, you, you would feel valued, I suppose, in the sense that you, you know, you're making a, a broader contribution. So when I say I kind of pushed my way in, I got involved in a lot of things. You know, I, I would readily volunteer to take on uh, any number of tasks or uh, areas of um, specific roles, if you like. Um, and that's not necessarily easy. And I, I would assume it's probably less easy if you're coming into a school as a new governor uh, in any other category. You know, as a, as a member of staff, I think you have the advantage in that sense that you do already have a certain understanding. Though I would say it was still a very steep learning curve because you're dealing with things about the school that you've probably rarely, if ever, touched on before. Um, but yeah, I definitely feel valued. I don't think I was, my opportunities uh, or my opinions were uh, any less valued because I was a, a younger governor. Uh, for me, I think if I reflect on when I joined the two governing boards, obviously having kind of almost three years uh, in between uh, with the first governing board to then starting the second, I I think I, I definitely had imposter syndrome with the first, joining at my first governing board. Yes, I was young. I pretty much looked different to everyone on the board. Um I remember sitting in um, my first meeting, which was a finance and general purposes meeting. Look, I'm not from the education sector. I don't know much about finance. And there was a whole bunch of numbers, a whole load of spreadsheets. 
that was a bit mind-boggling, I'll be honest with you. And I sat there and listened and I um, wished I went on the, um, there was training before I started around, um, you know, the finance and budgets, et cetera. But I, I thankfully I went on that afterwards after seeing that through that first meeting. Um, but yeah, there was, there was definitely a sense of, oh, you know, I don't really, what, what am I doing here? What, how can I contribute to this meeting? And it was only until the health and safety section came up that I thought, right, okay, I can, I can actually use my voice now. And I think that's what it takes. You know, sometimes we have to, you know, sit, listen, observe. But actually, as the meetings progressed and we went through, you know, kind of the meetings through the half terms and, um, you know, we had more face-to-face opportunities to meet with the board and um, the senior leadership team, I did feel my confidence grow. And I think one thing that I, one thing that I really took from the training that I, I went on, this is local government training, and um, private sector training. Every training session I went on, I basically made a list of questions that I could ask. And I think that that kind of ammunition really helped me to you know, glance at, you know, keep it with me in my, in my books and my, my notes to actually say, oh, I can ask a question here. And I thought, right, I need to, I need to say, so I need to say something, but I want to say something that is worthwhile being, being answered. So there is, yeah, there is a, a steep learning curve. I think when you when you start uh, on the governing board or as a trustee, I think then, you know, casting my mind back to when I joined the local governing board as a parent governor, I I asked so many questions. I think I probably asked too many questions because I was one I had a bit more of an idea about the school from a, a parent's perspective, and it was really interesting to hear what was what was being said and um I was made to feel included but I think you almost had to flip it on your head and say actually can I do more to feel included in in the, the kind of governing board rather than just sitting there um and that there are opportunities I think to to kind of for it to work both ways not necessarily just just single-sided that you know welcome to the team Here's, here's this, this and this, but actually it's, you kind of have to speak up and, and build that confidence over time. And you've highlighted how important asking questions is to that process, because in asking questions, you're, A, you are, you're, you're carrying out your role of offering scrutiny and challenge, but B, you're, you're learning on the job as you ask those questions, as those answers come back to you, you're, you're learning you know, the basics of what, things, what, what certain things mean, you know, in different contexts and generally getting to grips with it on the job, but it's probably the most effective way of, of doing it. Is that something you think, Matt? Yeah, and I was just going to add, in case there's any prospective young, new young governors uh, listening into us, that, you know, there are loads of sources that now around on the internet and, and through the NGA and others of pre-prepared questions around specific topics, which for a new governor would be fantastic, you know, to, to have a list of questions in your back pocket that you are confident in were relevant and appropriate. Um, it's, it's almost like a starter for 10, just to get you into that swing of, you know, having the confidence in a meeting, first of all, to, to ask a question, but then knowing that it's appropriate. And then, as you say, uh, Sam, that's where you start to get, build up your, your bank of knowledge and experience through the answers that you get. So yeah, really important um, skill 
So if that's if that's one of the ways you have grown in confidence in your role, are you can you now state confidently that you are confident in your ability as as a young governor? And what what you would say to those perhaps lacking in confidence to to give it a go, or who may be young governors now but are still lacking confidence in their roles? I think you you have got to be willing to stick with it uh, to a certain extent. You know you won't know everything or. Governance is as much a process as it is a, a set of questions and answers. Uh, and you learn how to manipulate that process to to get to the questions and answers that you want. Um, and I think you're you're always learning, but if you stick with it, you you will you will gradually grow in confidence. I feel like I am generally confident in in the specific areas that I look at. So I chair uh, our resources committee. So I I'm now at the stage where I feel like I generally understand <laughs> that, that data. Uh, I know what I'm looking for, but more importantly, I think I know, uh, or I can generally ask the right questions uh, to not necessarily get the right answers, but to to make sure the right questions are being asked because that is the process of, of governance. So I think if you stick with it, you definitely will increase your level of confidence, but there's always the next step you know, so I took on the vice chair role. That's an interesting role in itself and gives you another opportunity to think about, well, now I'm actually re- partly responsible for the leadership of the governance. And that's another skill and, another, you know, something else to become more confident at. Um, you know, once you've taken the plunge to be a vice chair, it's almost assumed that one day you, you're you a likely candidate to be a chair. So you start to think ahead to, OK, how does that relationship work between the the head and the chair in particular? Um, and would I have the confidence to be asking challenging questions in the right context? Would I recognise what kind of things are right to be discussed in a in a full governing body meeting, and what is better addressed uh, directly with the head? You know, so there's there's always that next step. Um, so you, I don't think you ever feel I've mastered governance, um, but you can get to a point where you're confident in your ability to adapt. I would say that's probably uh, uh, where I think I am now, that I can I can meet the next challenge or I, I would know how to go about addressing it. Does that resonate with your experience, Angie? I think um, with myself, am I confident in my ability to govern now? I am so much more confident than I was almost four years ago, um, but I feel there is so much more that I can still do to grow. So I, for example, I've, I've never chaired a meeting. Um, I would, when we have new governors, love to kind of be part of the induction process and, and be a buddy and a mentor. There's also, I'm, I'm kind of recognising that. And I think what's enabled me to reflect upon this was by doing a skills audit. And the skills audit was actually really useful um, to, to conduct and it got me. It gave me an opportunity just to think in my own headspace as to the journey that I've been on, and has it been worthwhile for me? Has it been worthwhile for the school? I think getting feedback from the people that are around me in terms of my approach to governance has been really key as well. So asking your chair, asking fellow governors, like how how do you think I can improve? And sometimes that's hard to take on the chin because you can't see it as a critique, you should see it as an opportunity to grow. So that's been a really interesting process. 
So I think there's so much to do. There's so much to do, Sam and Matt, that um, I don't think we'll ever, I'll ever finish with governance. Well, I think you, you, the fact that you, you, you've kind of listed out some ambitions there of where your next steps within governance are, you know, getting involved with, uh, you know, new governor induction, maybe looking at uh, chairing meetings. I think that shows in itself a level of confidence that you've kind of accepted that you belong there. <laughs> First of all, your place on the board is is secure in that sense, in, in your own mind. Uh, and you're looking at what the next steps are. So I think there's a there's a kind of foundation there of confidence. And, and as I say, I, I agree. I don't think you ever get to the point where you've done everything and you can kind of tick it all off because, you know, something always changes. You get a new head. And, uh, you know, if you were an experienced chair who'd got a really good relationship, bring in somebody else and that starts again. So there's always, always something else to do. But uh, it sounds like you've uh, got some really good ambitions and, and kind of a, a checklist of next steps for your governance journey. You've also both helpfully answered the next question I was going to ask you, which was one about how long you plan to govern for. Is this something you you plan to continue doing for the for the foreseeable future? Obviously, for both of you, the answer is yes. That won't be the case for everyone. Some people, some young governors will have doubts in their mind about their level of commitment. They may be considering leaving the role or at least not committing to it long term. You've mentioned some strategies that you're that you're looking to uh, become involved in things like um, the induction of of new governors, perhaps some kind of mentoring scheme. Is there anything else you could add to that as a possible means of improving the retention of young governors and trustees who are perhaps not as confident that they will remain in the role long term in, in the way that you've expressed um, your desire to do so? I think there's a, for me, one of the areas that particularly our board, and I, I can't speak for any other, but I assume it's it's not just us, but I think one thing we can do better is managing governors. Um, I think taking the, the opportunity on a regular basis for all governors individually and collectively to reflect on what they've contributed, what they've got out of it as well, would be really valuable. And having a conversation one-to-one with a chair, for example, uh, or even a, even a buddying mentoring system on a governing body, I think having a, an opportunity to discuss your current kind of status as a governor and your ambitions around the role, um, you know, your doubts, would be a really good opportunity to address those with people who do have those doubts and those fears. I think probably the reason a lot of people do end up uh, maybe only doing one term or even resigning early would be that nobody really helps to address those issues. Uh, and it's really difficult in and amongst this whole confidence building phase of your governance life, if you like, that uh, you would be trying to deal with all those on your own as well. So I think some system of appraisal under whatever name or or kind of reflection uh, would be a really strong motivator to keep the governing body developing and improving, but to give individuals uh, a real sense of uh, belonging and, and being supported uh, to be the best governor that they, they want and can be. Andrew, presumably you think that's something that sits nicely alongside a, a board level skills audit 
obviously what you need to do is audit at an individual level as well see how check in with everyone in terms of their progress and how they're feeling about their own individual roles exactly i mean you kind of think i think of the governing board like an organization and each individual needs to be nurtured listened to you want to motivate them to do the best that they can do um and it's almost like you want to conduct those kind of one-to-ones, Matt, like you've just mentioned. You want to have those one just check in with check in with your fellow governors and whether that's the chair, the vice chair, um, you know, kind of that more the senior titles on the governing board, you know, just have that one-on-one chat. It doesn't have to be a long discussion, but just you know, make sure that from a well-being perspective, they're doing okay. Um, from a workload perspective, but then also to make sure that they're getting out of being part of the governing board, what they intended to, and if not, why not? And if not, how can we look to, to support um, those governors? And if you think about, you think about kind of new governors coming on the scene, you know, taking someone, taking a new governor under the wing of someone more experienced, um, guiding them through not just the first term, but kind of beyond, maybe that will help with retention. And then also, if you think about governors that have exited the, the governing board, have we conducted any exit interviews? And I don't really mean to be kind of so formal with it as we have in our in our respective workplaces, but why are governors leaving the board? Um, so I think there's there's so much that we can look and unpick from, from that question. Um, but ultimately, you mentioned earlier that the NGA recommends eight years you know, two terms, but what are we doing in a, in from a perspective of succession planning? And and that comment about succession planning brings us full circle in a way because we we started our conversation today talking about the recruitment of young governors and trustees, and uh, we've spoken about possible retention techniques, and have now arrived at the the need for succession planning when when people inevitably move on, you know, they're not going to stay with one board forever. That's probably quite a nice note on which to think about finishing. And I'm, I'm conscious that I've, uh, I've posed quite a lot, quite a few questions to both of you today. So if we, if we end on that note of how to move forward with intent and think about what practical action in this area might look like when it comes to engaging potential young governors and trustees, keeping the ones we've got, and generally doing more, saying more. Um, is, is there anything is there anything you guys would like to to add just from your own from your own perspective, based on your own experiences that that we haven't we haven't touched on yet today? I would say in terms of kind of being more visible to um, our current networks is really key. You know I feel that there's more that we can do. Um, you know, I'm very, I'm active on LinkedIn. I'm I'm thinking about writing a blog on there about you know governance and and dispelling some of the myths around it, but also what does it look like and can I be a coach or a mentor to anyone who is looking to become a governor? So I think, yeah, there is a lot more that we can do if you kind of take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Yeah, and for me, just final thoughts really are around. Um linking back to the increasing participation report. Um, One of the things that really struck me within that was 
posing the question of why do we want or need to be more diverse uh, and avoiding the the idea of it being a tokenistic thing um, you know then we need to understand as a board what to, what what are we expecting to get from being more diverse what are the benefits what are the drawbacks of not going down that route and, and that idea as well that it's not an agenda item is there a link between how diverse and inclusive our boards are and how diverse and inclusive our schools are you would like to think that we would strive to be the models of best practice uh, and we would want to emulate everything we want our schools to be as a board so i think there's some really interesting questions that boards should re be reflecting on and there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach as andrew said but we need to consider what what we can do to make sure we do include young people in our succession planning in our recruitment drives uh, and make sure that the opportunities are there for them and with it, that we promote them fully and take advantage of those people uh, in a positive sense who want to uh, volunteer to join our boards and become governors. Brilliant observation and a really nice note on which to end, I think. So thank you both very much for joining us. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your thoughts. And for any of our listeners that would like to go and visit that research report for themselves, it's on the research tab on NCA's homepage. It's called Increasing Participation in School and Trust Governance. Uh, any, any young people listening that would like to attend meetings of the Young Governors Network, uh, again, there's information on that that can be found on NGA's website. Please just send an email to um, ygn at nga.org.uk to express your interest in attending. And you're absolutely welcome to attend. But yeah, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.